everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt a great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. The show must go on. That was pure magic. It's brilliant. We'd like to finish now with a little dance. You sure? I can do it. I'll miss this when we're gone. Uh, we're going to miss uh, Everything Old is New Again where we're gone in about 30 years from now, but you'll always have us on uh, the internet. I'll only be 45. <laughs> Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. This is Douglas Viviani. That was Stan and Ollie, a movie that had uh, just recently come out uh, that was in limited release in January and February. I thought it was a terrific movie. And I'm sitting here with the resident humor, humorous. Wait. Humorist? Humorist. You wrote humorist. Yes, like, I forgot the T. The resident humorist himself. You forgot David more than the T. You completely misspelled it. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the show. This is uh, a good one. This is a good one. I, I'm, I'm interested because looking at and seeing the release of Stan and Ollie led me to down a road to think, you know what? There are a lot of comedians and or movies that are overlooked these days. And I think it's time to take a look through Everything Old is New Again's prism there and try to maybe focus on some of the movies or really talented comedians of the past and bring them to light. Yeah, because let's face it, there's a vacuum out there in, in the movie world. There are no funny movies anymore. I mean, they try to make some, but come on. They're not making nearly as many, and they're just not as good. And even if they do, there's like one or two a year, tops. Right, right. They used to be two a week. <laughs> Back in the day, these these people made you know yeah. Lauren Harding made hundreds of movies and shorts and things. So you know there's a, a real gap here that we're we're there's a it's I don't know if it's what the reason is, but the point is that there's very little to laugh at on the screen these days. Yeah, even even on you know the the golden age of television now. I mean most of the most of the humorous kinds of shows are about they're either uh, stand-up shows or they're about stand-up comedians and they're uh let's just can we think of something new it's right. still funny exactly and it doesn't have to be a sitcom we've gone through that there are some funny sitcoms I'll take a that. sitcom I'll, t- I'll even yeah. take a good sitcom <laughs> exactly now. you know uh but how about like i say the movie itself what a lost art and let's look at the beginnings of the art and we're not talking about the Abba Costello and Bob Hopes cuz those still to this day are known and people do, I think, check in on those movies here and there. But let's look at some that uh, are kind of forgotten. I mean, when's the last time you actually sat down and watched a Laurel and Hardy movie? And I think it is worth your while. Well, here's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Tell me about my dear, dear daddy. Is it true that he's dead? Well, we hope he is. They buried him. Well, this is your idea. Coming all the way from America to Switzerland to sell mousetraps. Whatever gave you that idea? Well, I thought there'd be more mice here than anywhere. And just why should there be more mice here than any place else in the world? Well, don't they make more cheese here? 
There you go. <laughs> but, you know, with them, then I, I had a struggle. They're not really one-liners. They're not. They don't tell jokes. No. They're more situational and pratfalls, Phys- physical, physical right. uh, comedians and geniuses. And if you ask any of the old-time comedians, like even like how about Charlie Chaplin? If you go back way back in the day of the big, big, big stars of the day, they all said, all said that. Buster Keaton was crying at the funeral of Stan Laurel. They all said he was a comedic genius. And now let's think about it. This is back in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s. They were doing things from vaudeville, of course, but of their their own nature that were created for the screen for the first time. So some of the things you see if you watch their old movies, maybe like I've seen that before. Yeah, but what you're watching here is the first time it was ever done. Right. For some of these things. Right. Uh, yeah, you have to put it in physical. perspective. Yep. Yes. So, you know, that's why we're saying genius, because they came up with so much. Then, if you want to talk about wordplay, I think, believe it or not, the Marx Brothers are still overlooked these days, uh, here and there. Take a look and, and listen to Animal Crackers and Duck Soup, two, uh, two movies that the Marx Brothers were in. One morning, I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got in my pajamas, I don't know. Then we tried to remove the tusks, but they were embedded in so firmly that we couldn't budge them. Of course, in Alabama, the Tuscaloosa. But uh, that's entirely irrelevant to what I was talking about. What is it has a trunk, but no key. Weighs 2,000 pounds and lives in a circus. That's irrelevant. Irrelevant? Hey, that's the answer. There's a whole lot of relevance in a circus. That sort of testimony we can eliminate. That's a fine. I'll take some. You'll take what? Eliminate. A nice cold glass eliminate. Hey, boss, I'm going to good. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of jokes about uh, elephants. <laughs> Relevant. Very funny. I mean- yeah. <laughs> but you have to ca- you know you got to catch cuz they they are so fast especially yes. Groucho marks. Yeah. You got to you got to really catch what what he's saying. And again, these are dated kind of movies, but in in the situations, but they're really not dated. Just place yourself, get yourself in there. Turn the lights down and uh and listen to what's being said. Fast forward through the music parts of these <laughs> Of these movies, Harpo is good. I can listen to. A play oh yeah, so I'm thinking yeah. of the women singing a lot of times. Oh, right, you got these yeah. high sopranos singing. It's like, a, <laughs> but uh, they are a really funny, clean. Remember, they had a whole different set of rules they had to play by, and uh, and it's you can watch that with your kids, and they might not catch all the Marx Brothers. You got to be a little more. Maybe a teenager would catch a lot of these puns, right? Yeah, but there's also a lot of physical comedy that they did as well that that kids would laugh at. Yeah, with Harpo was uh, it yeah. was amazing. It never spoke. He was the character that never spoke. Right, and some say was the funniest of all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not even fair to say because there was so much going on with that group. They, they were, but he added another element to just what made it, what made it all work. Total pantomime uh, that it was something, and I think it's something that's lost. What's the last time you've seen anyone do pantomime since maybe Sid Caesar in the 50s? Like anywhere, anytime, anyone not talking. And uh, maybe Dick Van Dyke did it a little bit. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of a lost art. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's uh, one of my favorites. You, you really got to see to believe what's going on with W.C. Fields, but I'll try to get you a little, we'll get you there a little bit. Uh, was I in here last night and did I spend a $20 bill? Yeah. Oh, boy, what a load that is off my mind. <laughs> I thought I'd lost it. I mean, this is another, the guy, you, you have to, he, how do I say this? He created, he wrote and directed all of his movies. He wrote everything. He was a talented uh, juggler uh, in the beginning of his career and then became a caricature of himself 
And you probably think of him now as just like the Frito Banditos guy, if you even think of him at all. But listen to or watch those movies that he was in. And the creativity is beyond. Ever see where he's playing pool? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. You know, and just look for that. And the stories that he tells. And another time where he's on and he's trying to sleep and all the different things that affect him in this. He's living in like a high rise. Back in the day, a five, four story building. He's trying to sleep outside because it's hot out. Remember, they had no air conditioning back then. And he's sleeping on an outdoor kind of uh, hanging uh, bench. And just, I mean, the stuff that goes on. Am I wrong? What do you think of W.C. Fields? Yeah, no, he was an innovator. And and, uh, I mean, part of the shtick was he was like intoxicated a lot, right? Or or had blackouts and things like that like that right. which you know made it charming or he's hung over he's hung trying over. to get over that right, right. <laughs> and when just his physical appearance was funny too you know the bright red nose even though it you know it was red apparently maybe from drinking a little too much you know sort of a caricature but you know his image of who he was physically i think just added to the humor yes and uh, but it was he was so incredibly incre- creative you ever see the time where he's in a hardware store and he he's the owner of a hardware store and a, a blind deaf man comes in and he's got on sale he's got light bulbs. I don't remember and that. Yeah. The guy just knocks the light bulbs over here and there. You, you have to tune into these movies. You, I'm telling you, when you watch them, you will want to watch them again. Uh, he's my favorite, obviously, of those three groups, but all of them, I think, are well worth your time to take a look and see what's going on with, God forbid, a black and white movie. You know, here's another thing. When you look at, go on AOL or any of these search engines and pull up um, greatest comedy movies of all time or greatest comedians or even greatest baseball players, it bothers me. It's a pet peeve because you'll always see, find out who is the writer of that article and they only go back to their childhood. So if they were born in the 60s, oh, sure, right. they never go back to look at these right. other people because, God forbid, they didn't see those people perform or didn't experience it. Um, I think that's wrong. It's it's time to take a look at, and not to preach, but I mean, the idea, you know, let's open our mind because this stuff is... Uh, it's, again, well worth it, and maybe it'll bring back a little something these days. This was before. They didn't talk about politics. They didn't talk about uh, religion, so to speak. They just did straight comedy, clean comedy. If that's what we're at right now, if we've come full circle, if that's what we need right now, then fine. Yeah. These would be a good example of where to start. I mean, the only sad part is that there were so many other comedians that were not represented at the time, because obviously these are all white men we're talking about. Right. Um, but, you know unfortunately I think a lot of the other comedians at the time footage or whatever just doesn't exist sadly that's the thing it's lost all the vaudeville stuff is lost and think of all the various groups and people that we miss out because we can't see them but uh, all right, we'll be yeah, back. But, yeah, yeah, but for for roots of comedy, yeah, this is a good That's place it. to Let's, start. We're going to go forward now and take a look uh, beyond this and see what's maybe some color <laughs> movies to watch and or uh, performers from Everything Old is New Again. We'll be back, be back right after this. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Good work, son. Uh, you see, officer? I know. You're going to a fire. Oh, no, we're going to a hospital. You see, the kid is sick. I'm not sick. Oh, yes, you are, sweetness. I feel fine. <laughs> you see, he's delirious. Oh, yeah? Well, what's wrong with him? Uh, he has gall trouble. This kid has more gall than any kid I ever saw. There we go. We're back and everything old is new again. This is Douglas Viviani with uh, David Cohen, our resident humorist himself. Speaking of all things missing comedians or missing movies. 
No one on the planet, I bet you, that has heard that has any idea who any of those people were. But maybe Spanky. You heard a reference to Spanky, and that's the Little Rascals. But that's... I think if you're a per- person of a certain age, like you and me, you probably would get it. But beyond Spanky, that... Well, he, he, that's Spanky. Yeah. What about the other two? The Spanky was just an ancillary... Guess. Oh, I just assumed that was Little Rascals. Yeah, there. no. That was a group called, or a comedy team called Wheeler and Woosley. Wheeler and W-O-O-L-S-E-Y. Woolsey. Woolsey. Wheeler and Woolsey. From the 1927 to 1937 era, made uh, a number of movies, were huge in their day in, in that time frame, did I think about 20 movies, 24 movies, and they're available now on YouTube, and you could you could check them out. I don't know that I'm going to say that they're great, but <laughs> I think what's cool about it is or, or worth your time. <laughs> two, I mean, two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. There's about twenty movies, like short films. No, real movies, full length. They were the ones that were in the theater against Laurel and Hardy, against. W.C. Fields, you know. Um, so you want us to watch the B team? Uh, yes, <laughs> I, isn't it? I think it's cool. Check out the ones that kind of made it, but did they went up against the giants of the business and didn't make it? But they made 12, 13, I mean, a bunch of movies here, um, and were pretty very. They, my research so now, is right. very popular at the time. So, so why aren't they making a movie about these guys? Because that would be an interesting movie. These are the right? next two characters I think we should do. <laughs> and because it sounds made up. Into it, it. Really, it really sounds like you're making this it's up, true. but you aren't. It's, yes. One of the guys wears the glasses like Jan, uh, like uh, George Burns did when George Burns was later in life. You know, those round glasses, yeah. the black ones, and had a big cigar. <laughs> and that was the characteristic. The other character was the, the dopey guy. And uh, they did some singing. They did some music that they sang themselves. Lots of wordplay. And they were big. So you could have been a kid in the day watching, coming back from the Yankee game after seeing Babe Ruth in 2027 and go to a Wheeler and Woolsey movie and they could have been your team. So so in other words, they were, would you say they were to Laurel and Hardy maybe what the Ritz brothers were to the Marx brothers? Yes, like that I, that's a thing. great idea. Okay. Absolutely, yes. So I don't know, I just think it's pretty cool. Look at, see what others did. That It's just brand new stuff that you've never seen before. It may fall flat, but that's funny too unto itself. Right. Uh, YouTube's right. got all of this stuff now that you can watch all of these movies. It's pretty cool just for kicks again presuming you have all the time in the world uh wheeler and woolsey uh let's take a look at they by the way were in uh, a broadway musical called rio rita that abbott costello later on did for the movies in 1942 rio rita yes so they were in that in that genre and they you know abbott costello took over from them if you will it's it's just a a part of history, hmm. I think. It Forgotten to look history. At. Yeah. Now let's look at teams. This is an odd thing to say, but I look at William Wilder, Billy Wilder, who was a director and a writer, and I look at him as a teammate to the people that were he put on screen. The first of which, believe it or not, which was a funny movie. These and this we're going to look at individual movies here. The Seven Year Itch with Marilyn Monroe. Didn't you just love the picture? I did, but I just felt so sorry for the creature. Sorry for the creature? Why'd you want him, to marry the girl? He was kind of scary looking, but he wasn't really all bad. I think he just craved a little affection, you know, a sense of being loved and needed and wanted. That's a very interesting point of view. (laughs) 
feel the breeze from the Segway? Isn't it delicious? Of course, that's that famous scene where she's lifting her uh, <laughs> her skirt and all of this. She was uh, not a great actor. But in this particular movie, by the way, she was a member of the actor's studio. Yes. Or not. Yes. Um, you know, we've talked about that with sure. Peter Weller and all. But if you look at that movie, it was a Broadway play turned into a pretty funny movie about a man who's married 70 years and he's got the itch. He meets Marilyn Monroe and he'd rather be with her than his wife or not. And you find out what goes on. That's just to open the door to the team aspect of Billy Wilder. But more to the point is three movies that Jack Lemmon were in that uh, Billy Wilder was involved with. I'm see if you're familiar with any of these. The Remember the one, again, Marilyn Monroe's in this with Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon, Some Like It Hot. They dress as women. Exactly, yeah. which was hilarious. Hilarious in the day. No. What's the matter now? How do they walk in these things? Huh? How do they keep their balance? Must be the way the weight is distributed. Now, come on. They're so drafty. They must be catching cold all the time, huh? Will you quit stalling? We're going to miss the train. I feel naked. Like everybody's staring at me. With those legs, are you crazy now? Come on. There you go. So, <laughs> Jack Lemon saved those movies. Yes. He was the funny guy. And, and I have to disagree with you here. Those are not funny movies. <laughs> they, I, they don't stand up to time. They I don't. I, I would not. I, I mean, if you're going to watch a movie, don't don't watch one of these. Uh, how about like, the, sp- spend your time watching like a Laurel and Hardy or something like? But these these comedies that were made in the fifties, for the most yes. part, for the most part, not all of them. Like I think a lot of the Martin and Lewis movies, some of them were really for the Nutty Professor was really funny. But for the most part, eh, not that. Now not here's that the idea. The, this is what gets to my heart of my uh, objection these days, and this shows it back in that in the day in the fifties. Comedians or comedies made by people that are not comedians. Yeah, that possibly had something to do with it. I yeah. had a lot to do with it, I think. Take a look at the apartment check. How do they walk in these things? No, that's huh? not it. How do they keep their balance? Must be the way the weight is distributed. <laughs> you don't want to hear that You're still again. still on some like that. <laughs> uh, okay, here's the apartment. Sorry about that. What did you do to your hair? It was making me nervous, so I chopped it off. Big mistake, huh? No, I sort of like it. <laughs> you got a Lulu. Huh? Yeah, I better not get too close. I never catch colds. Really? I was reading some figures from the Sickness and Accident Claims Division. Do you know that the average New Yorker between the ages of 20 and 50 has two and a half colds a year? Now that makes me feel just terrible. Why? Well, to make the figures come out even, if I have no colds a year, some poor slob must have five colds a year. Yeah, it's me. Two Academy Award winners, Jack Lemmon and Shirley MacLaine in the apartment. Being yes, that no. the, the premise was that Jack Lemon's, I think, boss uh, was having an affair and using Jack Lemon's apartment to have the affair. And not just a boss, lots of people in his work where he right. would lend his apartment, he would lend his apartment to, out. to move up the ladder and then met the, uh, the elevator girl and had a love story. He won an Oscar this movie. Okay. It wasn't bad. No, I mean, it was, this, this one wasn't bad. I don't All right. Know, it's it's, it's something we're digging still, through, I, I don't, plowing I don't, through it. I don't look think at, it's worth your time, but okay. This, well, we could label this segment of not what to watch, not what, what not to watch. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to like ambush you here. <laughs> I, I just, You're yeah. allowed. How about the fortune cookie? What did you do to your hair? It was making me nervous, yeah. so I chopped I it off. Yeah, again. <laughs> Which was a remake, apparently, of The Apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Try that again. The incomparable team of Billy Wilder and Jack Lemon, who told you about love in a walk-up in the apartment, love for your fellow man in Some Like It Hot, now tell you about love of money. How many me do you see? One. 
one cheap, chiseling, shyster lawyer who, of all people, had to marry my sister. Nice talk. I'm handing you a quarter of a million dollars on a silver platter. The origin of uh, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon later on to be the odd couple. That's right. That's right. And the fortune cookie. Have you seen that one? I have. See the odd couple. <laughs> I agree. You know, now that I think about it, I agree on some level. None of these are going to be side-slapping, hysterical. They're amusing. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> amusing. That would be the best thing to say. <laughs> but I'm trying to say is back in the day, all of these went up against Abbott Costello and Martin and Lewis. They went up against real comedians. And they got acknowledgement as being great movies. They were winning Oscars. They were winning awards. Why is that? I don't know. And Abbott Costello I, was ignored by right. uh, for Oscars and well, I else. mean, look, the Abbott and Costello movies. There, there wasn't much of a story behind Correct. those. I mean, maybe the one where they met the met Frank or Werewolf. One of them was actually a pretty decent movie, but they were just vehicles for their for their you know vaudeville, their stand up right. shtick that they did. I, I don't know if a lot of comedians necessarily make good movies. Well, that's my here's, you know what I mean. Here's my point: if we're talking about evaluating comedies. And what were the best comedies in a certain era? Why are the movies made by the people we spoke about in the first segment somewhat overlooked for these movies that I'm playing here now, which won every one of them won awards? Because generally there's more of a story to these, you know, that are made by someone who's not a comedian. Whereas I think, you know, look, the the ones we were talking about before, especially the W.C. Fields um, and to a certain extent, Laurel and Hardy, would just put the guys in the situations and and let them let them do their thing. Right. right? There wasn't there wasn't an engaging story behind it. Um, Marx Brothers, I think they tried to force them into some sort of story to to let them do their stuff. There's a little bit more of a storyline there. Right. But these movies like Some Like It Hot, The Apartment, they were written by by guys like like Billy Wilder that had a beginning, a middle, and an end. You know, right. and there was some character growth or whatever you want to put in the movie. And I think that's the reason that they were recognized. More. I'll accept that. We'll be back on Everything Old is New Again right here. Continue. Right after this. Now, back to America's Entertainment Pop Culture Talk Show. Everything old is new again with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Sid had been doing the show of shows 50, 51, 51, 52, 39 hour and a half shows a year. Right. We were being recorded on cellophane. I mean, you know, you go to the movies, you see Danny Kaye. Right. You'll see him forever. There's Charlie Chaplin, Laurel and Hardy. They're on celluloid, and they'll be around forever. I said, you're a legitimate comic genius, and no one will ever remember what the hell you did. Welcome back to Everything Old is New Again. He will be remembered more than Sid Caesar in the long run, only because we're on YouTube, on the internet, and never to be lost. This is Douglas Viviani with David Cohen and Everything Old is New Again. We're talking all things missing old comedians and, and or movies that might be something worthwhile to view now. That was Mel Brooks. Who was he talking about? Sid Caesar. Right. And do you think, now have you seen, Like, let's let's be honest here, up till recently, Sid Caesar's work, as Mel Brooks is saying, has not been around. The Honeymooners had one year of 39 episodes, half hour, that's played over and over and over again. Everybody says Jackie Gleason's a genius and R. Carney's a genius, and I'm not disagreeing with that. However, you just heard just for two of the 10 years Sid Caesar did the show shows or Caesar's Hour for 10 years, 
39 episodes, an hour and a half, and most of it, I bet you, you've never seen. Why? So, to talk a little bit about why that was. Because, yes, it's a good point. It's because back in the day, it was live. It was recorded on Kinescope, which was basically if you were to play a movie on your wall, let's say, you know, the old-fashioned projector, and then take a picture of the projector, take a picture of the, of the projection, that's what was kinescope it was basically they couldn't record things any better than that so the quality of the kinescope is poor so as a result there was no syndication of your show of shows so it just deteriorates over time or no, is it's, it just it, it, and i can't say it will deteriorate over time or? but even as it's as it's film you know what a better example you never go to you're in the city you go by these guys and they're selling the movies that are out in the theater now oh, that on, they're videotaping they videotaped phone, the screen right. While they sat in the movie theater. Oh, so that's the only recorded that. documentation of, of the Sid Caesar show. show. Exactly. And lots of them were thrown out or taped over. Hmm. Now, there's a guy. I looked up YouTube. I've been going crazy on this. There's a guy in, I think, Pennsylvania that found a ton of kines kinescope tapes and is releasing them on uh, I should say, of your show of shows and Caesar's Hour, which is the, what they did after show of shows. And it is now available, and be making them available over the last two years, on YouTube. So there's a lot, a lot more just recently on what Sid Caesar did. Is the quality pretty quality good? Quality is pretty good, yes. Okay. And in fact, just to go back in time here, we had a show about, um, uh, we were talking about Rod Serling with Nicholas Parisi, the author, and we were speaking about Kinescope as well with respect to the original broadcast of Jack Palance in uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight, and that was Kinescope. But Kinescope. But if you go now to YouTube, they've cleaned it up, and it looks beautiful. So in theory, they could clean up now all of these old show of shows routines. Now, what was the show of shows? That's the question. It was sketches. It was Saturday Night Live before Saturday Night Live. And with all due respect, much funnier. Uh, and like, you know how Saturday Night Live, you watch for a half hour, 45 minutes, you're good. Yeah. But the last half hour at least of the show, those skits. They yeah, usually watch till, till the weekend update and then you just shut it off. Which right? is sad. Even, yeah. even if you go back to the 70s, Towards the end of the show, they threw in skits that weren't so great. Right. Uh, if you watch Show of Shows, uh, this is an amazing, amazing presentation. He he did uh, skits that were anywhere from six minutes to eight minutes to twenty five minutes. He did a sitcom uh, in there called uh, called the Hinkin Lopers. He did parodies of movies. He did monologues. He did pantomime. We spoke about a little bit before, which actually was pretty funny for the day. He did gibberish. He could talk any language or think he, would, he was talking any language. He did characters. He did physical comedy. All the writers of the day wanted to be on that show, and they basically said he was the best instrument for, for any of their comedy to, to work through. If that makes any sense. And I never mm -hmm. thought anything of Sid Caesar, but I remember back in the day when he was on TV in the 70s for something, and my father saying, this is the funniest guy ever. And when I saw him in the 70s, he was going through a different time, and he was struggling. It was not the same guy. And I was like, this, not, this guy's not funny. If you go back and watch shows, shows I guarantee you, you watch one skit, you're going to watch 20 of them. Guaranteed. Uh, and I don't know what I have here for a clip, but let's... Uh, take a look and listen. This is something from Caesar's Hour, the show he did after Show of Shows. Movies talk, sound comes to the screen. Silent movies doomed. Oh, oh, what does this mean? It means a new era has opened up for motion pictures. 
We'll scrap this picture and make it over in sound. We'll hear the sound of hoofbeats. We'll hear cannons roar. We'll hear birds singing. Rich, my boy, do you realize what talking movies will mean for you? At last! <laughs> All right, so I didn't set that up, but that was no, uh, the, you can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> the origination of the, the star of the silent movies had a right. terrible voice, whatever. And that was just beginning. Up, that wasn't now the Saturday Night Live. That would be the end of the joke, right? Because it's a sw- short skits. Right. In this scenario, they went on for another fifteen minutes and developed <laughs> that, and it was funnier and funnier. It became funnier and funnier. Uh, some of the writers were Mel Brooks. Woody Allen, Larry Gelbart, who did MASH. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you Great look writer. and listen to who was in that room, for the uh, Alan Rubin from uh, um, Andy Griffith Show, uh, it just uh, uh, Neil Simon, his yep. brother, uh, yep. uh, also was there. So the, the, the talent in that room creating these skits was amazing. Uh, let's, let's do something where he's a German general getting dressed for, for eight minutes, uh, and it's got some gibberish going on here. I'll see what it's hard to see. I mean, these, you got to see these skits. They're long and they're developed, but you can hear a little something there. The, what do you take out? It's they, just this, they're doing German, but it's not really German. You can hear them spritz because he, the, his helper Sounds coming, funny. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Good stuff. And, but what happens, the whole skit is for eight minutes, they're doing all that, and he's getting dressed, and it's very funny, and the different things that they're saying, and then he goes out into a, 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 a goes through this door, and the, the kick at the end is that he's all dressed up as this German general with... with uh, Medals and things, and he puts a, a whistle in his mouth and calls for a cab for someone else. He's a doorman. He's man a doorman. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it's amazing how we, you could just uh, think of it today, right? You can't do an eight-minute sketch today. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. It's just not possible. You, you don't see it. Did 25 minute sketches. One in an apartment was so small and it had a dinner party and all the things that happened. Just amazing. A little something, little simple issues like the commuters, which is like a little sitcom he did within the show of shows for 20 minutes. And uh, they just had gotten a white rug. That's not going to come out, you know. That's dye from a cheap pair of socks. I, I, I don't know what to say, Bob. What can you say? Except you'll get better socks. <laughs> the champagne in the, the icebox box box there? Yes, I'll go and get it. Took it so he well. Took it much better than it. I That stupid idiot! I'll get his rug. It's a rug for a rug. That's the law. You know, they had the neighbors come over, call Reiner from you know the jerk and sure. Dick Van he created the Dick Van Dyke show another mm-hmm. writer he was always he was his second banana on all the shows and they came over and ruined his rug and whatever just simple Seinfeldish ideas right. that really uh, I mean it's hard to translate in 30 seconds here not even uh, but here's one where he can't sleep and his wife he was going to tell him a story as, as we all listen to our wives we get a little we get a little drowsy when our wives tell us a story no? I can't get any sleep and I got to got a big day tomorrow. Maybe if you talk to me. It's very lonesome at night. Oh, I know. Martha Heismeyer came over today. So they decided to sell the station wagon. And they are going to buy Dave Albert's convertible. Uh-huh. Dave Albert is going to sell his convertible because he's going to buy a sedan. <laughs> so they took the station wagon over to a used car dealer. And they figured they could get about $400 for Did he get the $400 for the car? <laughs> 
course, the guy falls asleep, but he's got to know the end of the story because <laughs> it's involving a car. I mean, just simple. I, and again, you got to right. hear and see it develop over all this time. I, it sounds funny. <laughs> it even sounds funny <laughs> to me. So, stuff. I wish we had more time. I just want to talk one little thing. And thereafter, he did one movie of, of note. It's a mad, 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 mad world, and he could do to me. He could handle dialogue better than anyone else. Listen to this. It's fourteen thousand dollars per share. Now, for that, figuring out that, that, that would mean you would get three shares for being three people, one share for having the car, one share for going down and, and looking at the wreck, and three more shares for being three more people in the car, which would give you a total of eight shares, giving you uh, $112,000. And that should cover everything, including the emancipation of women. Well, that's the only movie I would suggest that he was in, I, th- I think that he even was in, that's worthwhile. He made a cameo, if you ever see the vac- uh, vacation movies, Vegas Vacation. Yes. Um, he, he ends up, yeah, unfortunately croaking at the end, but <laughs> very funny scene with Chevy Chase with and his family. Kino and all of this, yeah. yeah. He, I want the money! I want the money! <laughs> see, I don't know how else to describe it. There's a movie called My Favorite Year, which Mel Brooks produced and was of that era showing what went on behind the scenes of your show of shows. I just think that if I had to go back in time and watch one show, because it's, you know, we, we don't have the, we don't have an hour and a half of it. We just see skits. I'd like to sit and watch the whole show thing. of shows, see yeah. what it was like in the 50s. That'd be pretty cool. All right, we'll be back right after this. Everything Old is new again. You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Uh, there's a clip of uh, the silent movie era there. I didn't want to leave too much space after you turn off the radio for effect, but uh, we're back and Everything Old is New Again with David Cohen, Douglas Viviani. We're talking about some comedians and or movies of the past that have been overlooked and might be worth your while to look at now, especially these days when there's a a dearth of real good comedians or real good comedies. Right, David? Absolutely. It's a good time to catch up. Yeah, and you had a, a great idea when we were going through this to look at Harold Lloyd, Buster Keaton, and Charlie Chaplin. Now, have you sat down yourself and watched any or all of uh, of these three. I have, yes. And and what inspired you to do that? Because now we're going back to movies that didn't even have sound. Right. And comedies. So what, what made you think of doing that? Well, because I, I, you know, was on this kick of kind of looking at history of comedy. Yeah, honestly. And I went back to the very, very beginning. So I watched a lot of Harold Lloyd and Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin. And the great thing about it was that, so there was no sound for the most part. And I think with Buster Keaton, there weren't even subtitles in certain ways. So just their physical acts and how they how they themselves just watching them without even hearing them were just so funny and the things that they did and how they presented themselves. It was just another form of comedy. And done for the first time right. on film. I'm exactly. sure all that stuff was in, I'm sure there was pantomime and stuff on, well, since, I don't know, since Julius Caesar's day, right? Uh, but, you know, now we're seeing something that we can see the evolution of Pratt Falls. You can see the evolution of uh, the creative storytelling just through use of your body, right. basically. Right. So let we can't, of course, play clips from them. We can play and listen to an interview here and there. So let's listen to what Harold Lloyd in 1954 has to say. Now, he was, if you think about it, he's, you know him. He's, he has the horn rim glasses and a skinny kind of a guy right that was basically it i'm wondering if he really was the first nerd i think that might be <laughs> what we talk about here 
I had become quite tired of my comedy clothes characters. One I did call Lonesome Luke, another one I did call Willie Work, and I wanted something that was more real. So I got the idea to put on glasses like these. They were just coming into vogue at that time, and they gave you a studious appearance. But that didn't mean that my character had to be studious. He could belie that appearance. Consequently, it became a trademark for me. It allowed me to represent a whole group of young men, young men that... Uh, have difficulties in life, that have frustrations, that, that have uh, trouble with their amours, but through determination, through many other phases of that uh, trying, they came out and succeeded in the end. I like it says they had trouble with their amours. <laughs> right? I love that. I love that. But so, yeah, they, they, just the way they were able to just tell the story without without words, I think, was just really, really And cool. Harold Lloyd was creative in that he w- was a nerdish character. Yes. And yeah. maybe maybe the first nerd, if you really think about it, go back and watch his movies, but he does sometimes get the girl, right. and uh, and you'll see just the different ways that it, that they communicate. It's 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 not lacking. Like, you, if you no, give it a chance... you can still relate to it. I mean, it's still relatable today. Right. Uh, how about Buster Keaton? He actually was in a Twilight Zone episode, if you remember. Yes. It started back in the 20s, and he had a time machine, and he went to the future, and he was lost in the shuffle and wanted to go back to the past, and the machine got broken. So look, look for that one. But here's Buster Keaton on, and I think, something you just referenced a little bit about what they use. He had a contest, with, a friendly contest with Charlie Chaplin about can they use less and less... I don't know what they call them, placards where they have the words on them. Uh, so let's see what he has to say. I think Chaplin won that. He got down one of his pictures, uh, something like 21 titles, and I had 23. But another thing, too, you've got to call attention to is the average picture used 240 titles. We didn't repeat gags, and we didn't steal from each other either. So a couple things missed in there. The, the titles we talk about with, you know, you see the... the the comedy going on, and then you see a stop, and you see the words go on the screen. On a screen, back. right. All you see is the words on a screen. Right. right. So they, again, back in the day, for a hour and a half movie, there would be 250 of those. They, Chaplin and himself, cut that down to 23 to 25. So that's pretty amazing back in the day because they felt, I think, that when you put the words on the screen, you're cutting from me doing the action. You're stopping the flow of right. this movie exactly. and of the comedy Yeah, I, to explain or say some true. words, right? right? So I think that was pretty interesting comedy. also said that they never, and there's tons of movies, they never did the same thing twice. Right. Well, sometimes even, they couldn't because the, the, there was one where, I think it was Buster Keaton, Remember, there was a frame of a house. It was a giant frame of an actual house. So picture the the front, the, removing the front part of like a two-story house, right? And they were constructing it, and it fell. And he was in the doorway frame. So this was no trick photography. It was no, there was no stunt person for him. the The house had to fall back and not hit him. It went over him. He was standing in the doorway, and he didn't get hurt. So those are the kind of stunts they did, you know, comedic pratfalls that a lot of times you, you, you can't recreate it anyway, right? right? You did it once, you thank God you're alive, and you <laughs> right. move on. Right. But then Charlie Chaplin didn't do that. Right. You know? Right, right. So exactly. they had to come up with original things all the time, whatever they were doing. And he explains one time, I think it was, he was... Um, walking uh, trying to get his character was trying to get through a parade and he couldn't get through the parade so he figured he became part of the parade and right. in becoming part of the parade he sat in the back of a I think it was a, a police officer's 
car or whatever it might be. And then someone from a building up up top uh, dropped a bomb uh, on the uh, on his vehicle, and it went off. And the police looked back, saw him, that he wasn't a police officer, and they started chasing him, thinking that he was the one that set off the bomb, and all the chase ensued. Most of these had chases. But the creativity of the chases... Now, if you see an Abbott Costello movie, almost every ending of every, every Abbott Costello has a chase scene. That all came from this era and his love of Charlie Chaplin and wanting to uh, uh, sort of honor Charlie Chaplin. I don't right. think Costello, Abigail did that in any way, shape, or form close to what these people did. Uh, just amazing what they did. Also, Buster Keaton, his name Buster, uh, came from his parents on tour in back in the day with Harry Houdini. And Harry Houdini saw this guy, this little child, a three, four-year-old, fall down the stairs and just get right back up. And he said, wow, that's, that's some buster, Harry Houdini, Houdini hmm. said to his parents. And that was the name that stuck, wow. Buster Keaton. Buster was not his real first name. Just a little uh, touch cool. of yeah. history there. I think that's pretty cool. All right, let's hear a little something from uh, Charlie Chaplin, who's... Uh, some people say is the ultimate, but I, you know, if you look back at Keaton and Lloyd, they did different characters. Right. For the most part, Charlie Chaplin, for the most part, did the one character, uh, but he did it, of course, extraordinarily well. Timing, yes, and comedy. For the screen. Mm. My mother gave me that. <laughs> I was born with it, more or less. And uh, she was very graceful and uh, was a dancer, you know. And naturally, I suppose, those things are more or less instinctive. It's the same thing with acting. I don't think you can teach a person to act. You can give them, you can make them effective and know how to use their, their yeah. acting. I and, mean, uh, with the camera. Well, uh, I never had anything prepared. You see, I would get on a set, and uh, and then you'd start, and you'd get excited, and out of excitement would come invention. And uh, I think everything, all creative work, is done out of excitement and enthusiasm. You see, after all, nothing can transcend human personality. You know, a story is all secondary. It's a purely a background in which... This precious thing called personality functions. That's my belief. And that's back from 1954, over 50 years ago, and I think 50, 60 years ago now, and I think those words are as, uh, for, for comedians and comedies, are as prophetic then as they are now, or now as then, I should say. Absolutely. Here's the thing about Charlie Chaplin. If, if you see one movie with Charlie Chaplin, you'll, you'll get the whole Charlie Chaplin thing. Watch a movie called The Gold Rush. It stands up to time today. It is just classic him, and and some of the things he does, the bits he does in that silent movie, uh, are amazing. And it's just such a moving, heartfelt comedy um, that uh, I, I would recommend it if you wanted to go back to sort of like the beginnings of of a film comedy. Start with the Gold Rush. All right, and. I would suggest that it sounds like he took his own advice, if you will, and promotes the character itself. Oh, yes. And right. think about developing a character without words. Right. And what a lost art that is, and something that I think we could and should aspire to a little bit today. Be nice if we didn't have so many words out there all the time in the marketplace and, and have some feeling and emotion just right. from one person to another. And I think that's so interesting. He says... His creativity came. He went onto the set. He didn't even have a script. He didn't even know what he was mm. going to do, and he went onto the, the screen, the, the set, 
and developed it, became conspired with his other, I guess, writers and other actors, and they came up with what they wanted to through inspiration of the moment, of of the excitement, he says, of what it was all about. Almost like Curb Your Enthusiasm in some way where the characters are there will put them into a, uh, a situation. situation and go. Right, just and, ad-lib. And maybe right. that's sort of, sort of what Larry David's doing you know, with words, of course, but didn't it sound like that with uh, with what he was describing? a little bit? Yeah. When you see the final product, though, you can't imagine that the thing was just kind of th- slapped together. So, I don't know. I may- maybe you know beforehand to put the whole script together in the scenes, it was more of a like an improv type of session. Right. But when the filming started, I, I yeah, there's no way. I, he he can just. I'm, I'm sure it was sort of mapped out, right? right. There was some storyboard. I'm uh, sure, but, yeah, but I'm sure the particulars he didn't have laid out. You know, he had the right. beginning and the end, but in the middle, how are we going to do the chase? How are we going to do this and that? Let's work that out. Yeah. All right, we enjoyed uh, spending some time with you here, and everything old is new again. Come on back next week. We talk all things pop culture entertainment on everything old. You've been listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's pop culture entertainment talk show. Find us on the web at everythingoldisnewagain.biz. That's .biz. See you next week. Same bad time, same bad station.